1: Hi, I'm Kathy with a C. And I'm Kathy with a K. And this is Killer Destinations. Today's destination is Rock Hill, South Carolina. Rock Hill, a city of 75,000 residents about 15 miles from the North Carolina border, is known as Football City USA because it has turned out more NFL players per capita than any other city in the United States. A staggering 20 current and former NFL players grew up in this small town. One of these football stars returned home to Rock Hill after his time in the NFL with tragic consequences.
2: Philip Adams, who is best known for his six year career in the NFL, grew up in Rock Hill. He was a standout athlete at Rock Hill High School before attending South Carolina State University, playing cornerback for the Bulldogs football team. Now, I'm not saying that all of our listeners don't know what a cornerback is, but for those who don't, if we have any women who aren't that interested in football, do you not know? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Full disclosure, I looked it up. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which Kathy, of course, would have known. But the cornerback actually plays on the defense. And... What they do is they follow any of the football players from the opposing team who are likely to be receivers of the football if the quarterback makes a pass. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. In 2010, Philip Adams entered the NFL draft and was selected in the seventh round by the San Francisco 49ers. Now, Kath, do you know how many people they actually draft every year?
1: Is that a trick question? Of course I don't know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I happen to know. (laughs) I just make myself feel smarter. Good for Google. I know, exactly. (laughs) Google's awesome. So in that year, in 2010, there were 255 players drafted into the NFL. Philip Adams was the 224th of those 255. Now, four months into Philip's NFL career, in a game against the then St. Louis Rams, now the LA Rams, on the day after Christmas, Adams had a season-ending injury. He broke his ankle while blocking on the second half opening kickoff, which required him to have surgery that included several screws being inserted into his leg. You know what I'm going to say to that, right?
1: Yes, I do. <laughs> Kathy has screws and plates in her leg.
2: Three plates, 18 screws. So really a few screws, really season ending. Come on. <laughs> when he went through, what I went through, same thing. Exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Your football career ended. I know. It was sad. (laughs) Well, his occurred during football. Yours occurred falling down on Thanksgiving.
2: (laughs) Um, What she meant was saving a burning school bus and rescuing all the children. (laughs) Potato, potato. Exactly. (laughs) So the following year, on September 3rd of 2011, the 49ers released him from the team. And after that... Philip Adams would be traded to five other teams over the next five years, never quite reaching his potential as a professional football player. After he was let go by the 49ers, he was picked up by the New England Patriots. Three months after that, he was signed by the Seattle Seahawks. And eight months after that, he was playing for the then Oakland Raiders, now the Las Vegas Raiders.
1: My brother, Matt, was a huge fan of the Oakland Raiders. He had all their paraphernalia. Really? Oh, he loved them. Was loved that them. after
2: all the football teams left Los
1: Angeles? I don't know. <laughs> Actually, it was when he was a kid, so no.
2: So remember, he's also the one we go to for the zombie apocalypse. And so I'm <laughs> hoping he like got some moves <laughs> exactly. from the Oakland Raiders to know how to get through those zombies. <laughs> Philip stayed with Oakland the longest, playing in 16 games during his first year, where he had one interception and 15 tackles. Now, what's interesting, Kathy, that I read as I was researching this is that the one interception was against Peyton Manning, who is considered one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time.
1: Even I recognize that name. (laughs) Exactly.
2: Is it all those insurance advertisements he's doing? (laughs) (laughs) That might be where I recognize the name from. (laughs) Phillip also played in 16 games during the Raiders 2013 season, and it was during that time that he suffered two concussions over three games. I was really surprised to learn that the concussion protocol in the NFL had started in 2009 because in 2013 to be allowed to play two games at all after having a concussion, that really surprised me. I would have thought that there was a longer time out, for lack of a better word. From 2014 to 2015, he was signed and later waived by both the New York Jets and the Atlanta Falcons. After that, his football career ended and he returned home to Rock Hill, South Carolina.
1: According to an article in Sports Illustrated, around 4.30 p.m. on Wednesday, April 7th, 2021, Philip Adams put on a dark hoodie, camouflage pants, and a black motorcycle helmet. He armed himself with two automatic rifles, got into a four-wheeler, leaving his parents' home in Rock Hill, where he lived, and drove a mile down the road. He eventually turned down a road that led to a sprawling brick mansion. In the yard, there were two men who were air conditioning service contractors, James Lewis and Robert Shook. Philip Adams walked up to them and shot them both, leaving them for dead. He then continued walking toward the house. Robert Shook was able to call for help. Philip went into the house, cornering Dr. Robert Leslie and his wife Barbara in their home gym, along with two of their grandchildren nine-year-old Ada, and five-year-old Noah. According to sheriff's office officials, Adams fired as many as 20 shots, killing all four of them. By the time deputies were able to arrive following Robert Shook's 911 call, which was only 10 minutes later, Philip Adams was gone. He had fled. Everyone was dead except Robert Shook, who had been shot six times. Over the next three days, Robert underwent multiple surgeries before tragically succumbing to his injuries.
2: Philip Adams' father and mother were driving back from visiting Mrs. Adams' sister about an hour north of their Rock Hill home when they noticed a large police presence on their street. When they returned to their house, everything seemed fine. Their son, Philip, who, as Kathy mentioned, lived at home, was upstairs reading in his room. It was later that night, after Mrs. Adams had gone to bed, that Mr. Adams, Philip's father, heard voices in the backyard and opened the door to find what he called chaos. Mr. Adams said that he thought he was experiencing a flashback to the time he served with an Army Special Operations Unit. Men in combat gear trained their guns on him, yelling at him to put his hands up and not to move. Mr. Adams said that he was handcuffed and sat on the ground in his front yard. And at this time, he was begging police to be careful with his wife and son. He just wanted the police to get them out safely. Mr. Adams was then placed in a police car and driven a mile down the road to the scene of the shooting, which is the Leslie's driveway, where Mr. Adams saw even more patrol cars.
1: I find this very strange. Did it say in the article why he was taken to the scene of the shooting?
2: You know, it didn't, and it wasn't just one article, because I had that same question.
1: I wonder if it was because they had so much work to do at the scene of the mansion that there was so much police personnel there, and that was a safe place to bring him.
2: Probably. They were probably staging. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably true. But like I said, I was really surprised that I couldn't find anything about why he was taking there. And actually, this didn't come from a newspaper. As we had said, this was from a Sports Illustrated article. Right. I didn't see anything in a newspaper about him about explaining why right or even about him being handcuffed and put in a police car now Mr. Adams said that he was confused about what was going on and he was asking questions that he said nobody was answering. He sat alone for what seemed like an eternity to him before finally a detective appeared and told him that while his wife was safe, his son Philip was deceased. Before the detective had delivered the news to Mr. Adams about his son's death, The police had actually spent hours begging Philip to surrender. Sometime between when the police were able to take Mrs. Adams out of the house and then when they charged into the home themselves, which was about 2.30 a.m. To get Philip. To get Philip. Philip picked up a 45 caliber handgun and turned it on himself. He was 32 years old. York County Sheriff Kevin Tolson said at a press conference the day after the shooting that nothing about this made any sense the air conditioning repairmen
1: james lewis and robert shook were each father to three children lewis was a single dad and shook was a husband of nearly two decades they were mourned by hundreds of friends and families and co-workers at their funerals then there were the Leslies, the residents of the mansion the doctor and his wife as well as their two grandchildren Their lives revolved largely around the First Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church in Rock Hill. Dr. Leslie was an elder at the parish. Mrs. Leslie was known for being a true believer, passionate about teaching the Bible, and endlessly creative in how she did it. She sang in a trio at the church and performed skits. The two grandchildren, who had been killed beside them, had inherited the same love for worship, particularly through music. The children's father was a volunteer singer and guitar player at the church's early morning service, and Ada was already starting to help lead the singing on some Sundays. Dr. Leslie's death, though, truly shook Rock Hill. 70 years old, but with the energy of somebody 20 years younger, he spent decades as an ER doctor in town and then founded two of his own medical practices, an urgent care clinic and a hospice clinic. He was a regular presence at Camp Joy, a nonprofit run by the church for disabled teenagers. He also published hundreds of newspaper and magazine columns and wrote more than a dozen books.
2: Okay, I got to tell you, this reminds me of a finance professor I had when I was getting my MBA. He had eight bachelor's degrees, three master's degrees. He was a medical doctor and had two PhDs. Wow. How old was he when he was your professor? He was probably in his mid-60s, but... That's incredible. He slept two hours a night. Oh, wow. So I, when I read all this about Dr. Leslie, that was exactly what I was thinking, that this this is the same person. It's that same, you don't sleep very much, you're incredibly intelligent, you have all these things you need to do and want to do and can contribute to the world, and that's what Dr. Leslie was doing.
1: I can't imagine being able to sleep two hours a night and still function.
2: Well, he did take naps during class when we were giving presentations. <laughs> That's pretty funny.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) South Carolina Congressman Ralph Norman said that his friend Dr. Leslie was a Renaissance man who treated anybody and everybody. And it didn't matter what time of night you called him, he was there. So the shocking part was the tragedy and the cruelty of how he died. And then, of course, the children. Nobody will ever get a handle on that.
2: Everyone in the town had heard gossip and rumors about what went on, but nobody seemed to know why this tragedy had happened. Maybe it was all of those injuries. Maybe it was that gruesome broken ankle at the beginning of his NFL career. Who knows how many other blows or concussions he got through his years playing football. And then maybe it was the game, how he gave it his all, and he was still rejected from all of those teams. His agent, Scott Casterline, said that Philip Adams worked almost too hard and put too much pressure on himself. He was very critical of himself, and he kept trying for perfection. It also could have been the weight of growing up in Rock Hill. As we mentioned in our intro, it's otherwise known as Football City USA because of all the NFL players it produces. Adams had won a state championship with Rock Hill High and was recognized as one of the area's best players. But his life after football was a brutal adjustment. His agent, Casterline, said that he regularly sees former players struggle with the transition because you have a loss of identity. You know, those who played can get wrapped up in that too much. And, you know, I also see this, Kathy, in politics. If politicians lose an election, they will spend decades trying to get that position back.
1: Although I can imagine politicians have a difficult time, as well as child movie stars. Yeah, (laughs) true. If if we're on the topic. Um, I do think that athletes have an exceptionally difficult time because they get a lot of accolades as a young person when their brain is still developing and that stuff is really important. So high school, right? They get a lot of attention in high school. They have a lot of people who want to be their friends, a lot of people who want to be around them. A lot of people telling them how great they are, how perfect they are,
2: how wonderful they are. But, you know, and then they get the
1: same attention in college. So I I just think, and then it's over.
2: Well, and you're right. When you said that about the child stars too, it is the same thing. They are little. Their brains are developing and People do everything for them.
1: Right. Yeah. So I think I I just think it'd be really difficult to spend a modest career in the NFL and then you're done. And And now what? Right. Kath, Why are so many dogs now suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, said she's seeing more issues with joints, odors and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health, their food.
2: What she discovered is actually the way many dog foods are made can create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true even for many of the premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw a huge transformation in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. And Kath, as
1: you know, we have a schnauzer named Ollie. And even though my husband insists he is not, he is overly flatulent. (laughs) After I started giving him this food, I swear there was a reduction in his smell.
2: I love that. And I'll come over to your house now. Exactly. Well, and you know, we have a Vishla we call Orange and she's a senior dog. And over the last couple of weeks, she has actually had more energy to be running around the backyard with the younger dog, the Doberman we call Brown. We're crazy. A little bit. <laughs> so
1: if you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to BadlandsFood.com slash KillerD and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D.com slash KillerD.
2: I think it would be tough. And also, apparently after he got back to Rock Hill, he had opened a smoothie shop called Fresh Life, and it lasted less than a year. Oh, what a bummer. It is a bummer, but it also isn't surprising, not because of who it was. It's just so many restaurants failed. It's something like 95% of restaurants fail in their first five years.
1: And I'm sure he probably thought, oh, everybody knows who I am. I'm going to have customers. And then when he didn't and it failed, that's... Another blow. Yes.
2: Agreed. There were also rumors that maybe Philip was inspired by a cult the sheriff's office announced on April 23rd, which was just over two weeks after the murders, the investigators had found what they called cryptic writings in some of Philip's notebooks. Philip's ex-wife Ashley, who he'd first started dating when they were 18, said that he'd always written in notebooks and nobody close to Philip remembered him ever talking about anything like a cult. Now, another theory was also floated, Kath. This time, by Congressman Norman. Remember, he's the good friend of Dr. Robert Leslie. Mm-hmm. His theory was that maybe Dr. Leslie was giving the 32-year-old former football player pain pills and then cut him off. Now, Congressman Norman initially said he'd heard as much from law enforcement, but then he said that none of that conjecture was true, and now he says he was just plain old mistaken.
1: What a politician.
2: I had a different word, but that's a better one to use honestly. <laughs> That's just And what a horrible thing, especially because it is in the middle of the opioid crisis. Mm -hmm. And so you're kind of slandering two people. Right. Or maybe the doctor pissed off Philip in some other way based on the fact that the doctor treated Mr. Adams, Philip's father, for back problems in the late 1990s and that the two families lived only a mile apart. However, if Philip and Dr. Leslie knew each other, nobody, including authorities, were able to confirm that. In addition... Jamie Dagenhart, Dr. Leslie's business manager at the urgent care clinic, said Philip was never a patient there. And there was also no surveillance footage from the day of the shooting of Philip being at the urgent care clinic.
1: So we know that Philip wasn't looking for the doctor at the clinic that day. Exactly. According to Daily Mail, Philip Adams had suffered several concussions during his football career. Also, before turning pro, he had been arrested for misdemeanor assault and battery in 2009, although he was not convicted. He was also arrested in Charlotte for carrying a concealed weapon in 2016. Mr. Adams told a Charlotte, North Carolina TV station, WCNC, that he blames football for what happened to his 32-year-old son. He said, I can say he's a good kid. I think it was football that messed him up. It turns out Mr. Adams may have been right that his son Philip's football career may have played a role.
2: After Philip Adams' death, York County, South Carolina coroner Sabrina Gast obtained special permission to have Philip Adams' brain tissue sent in for CTE testing. CTE is chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And it has been found in the brains of people who have played football and other contact sports like wrestling or boxing or lacrosse. And possible symptoms include cognitive, behavioral, and mood changes such as aggression, depression, paranoia, anxiety, lapses in judgment, mood swings, violence, and suicidal tendencies. The CTE tests that Dr. Gast wanted performed would be done in collaboration with Boston University researchers who have been at the forefront of studying the brain disease. Gast has been a coroner since 2008, and this is the first CTE research package that she has ordered. But in this case, where there have been reports of previous brain traumas, Gast said she believed that the CTE testing was appropriate. It is still not known on what area of his body that Philip Adams shot himself. If he shot himself in the head... The brain can still be tested for CTE, but it makes it more complicated. The type of weapon used and the nature of the injury are among the factors that can impact the condition of the brain. According to NBC News, on December 14th of 2021, so just five days prior to this recording, Boston University neuropathologist Ann McKee said Philip Adams had stage 2 chronic traumatic encephalopathy, or CTE, which, as we've said is a degenerative brain disease that has been linked to repeated head traumas. Dr. McKee, who conducted the examination on Philip Adams' brain tissue, said that his CTE was unusually severe in both frontal lobes and may have contributed to his behavioral abnormalities.
1: So, Kath, I know you did more research on this than I did. You said he was at stage two. How many stages are there?
2: There are four. Okay. But one of the things that they said was very notable is that for his age... Stage two was something. It was. It was was something they don't typically see. They typically see stage two on brains of men who are in their 40s and 50s. Okay. McKee had said that Adam's 20-year career in football put him at a high risk for CTE. Dr. McKee had also noted that the disease worsens with age, citing that Boston University's CTE Center had diagnosed the brain disease in 24 NFL players who died in their 20s and their 30s with most found to have suffered stage two CTE.
1: I think that it's a degenerative disease that worsens with age is significant.
2: It also can never heal. Right. So once you have it, it is only going to get worse, regardless of whether or not you have additional head traumas. Which is terrifying. Oh, absolutely. And especially because even though the NFL has been the focus of Boston University's studies, it's not, as we said, it's not limited to football. Right. Stage 2 CTE is associated with the progressive cognitive and behavioral abnormalities that we had talked about before, right? The aggression, depression, violence, suicidal tendencies. And an inability to control your impulses. Right. A statement on behalf of Philip Adams' family was read at a news conference. Quote, as we process these results, we are deeply saddened by the events that occurred on April 7th, and we continue to pray for the families of the victims. We are pleased to have a better understanding of the mental turmoil that Philip was dealing with during the last moments of his life. We cannot say that we are surprised by these results. However, it is shocking to hear how severe his condition was. End quote.
1: I am sure that Philip's family is searching for answers desperately. Oh, absolutely. You know, he he goes out and he does this horrible, horrible crime. He murders people in cold blood, six people in cold blood. Two children. Right. With no seeming connection, no seeming motive. I am sure they are desperate for answers. And although this is tragic, was CTE the cause of what Philip Adams did that day? We have no idea.
2: Well, it's also not our call to make, Kath. I mean, this is not us giving somebody a pass because as you just said, this is tragic. Horrible. But it's a question that needs to be asked. Right.
1: Among other parts of the brain, the most commonly afflicted areas are the frontal and temporal lobes, and that is because they're up against bone.
2: Oh, that's interesting. I haven't heard that before.
1: So Kath, according to the Mayo Clinic website, CTE affects different components of an individual. And you, you had mentioned some things earlier, but I think it's important to break it down. And the Mayo Clinic considers that the problems to arise in four categories. One is cognitive impairment, so the difficulty planning and organizing and thinking. One is behavioral changes, such as aggression and impulsive behavior. One is a mood disorder, such as emotional instability or suicidal thoughts. And lastly, motor symptoms such as, you know, Parkinson's and Lou Gehrig's disease, that kind of thing. So, so although it's a brain injury, it affects every aspect of an individual's life.
2: So, Kathy, in doing research for this podcast, I came across a 2017 Boston University study of former NFL players' brains. They studied 111 brains and 110 of them showed CTE. Now, it's not obviously a conclusive study because you can't diagnose CTE except in death. Right. And the families have to agree to have you do it, and the families then have to agree to have you publish the findings. So
1: And and it's also you you're just saying that's just NFL players. And it is just NFL yeah, players. Yeah, so we're but, not talking about boxers or ice hockey people
2: or, or wrestlers. Or, right. Right, right a, okay. exactly. One of the things you asked, obviously, at the beginning was, was this the cause of what Philip Adams did, the murders he committed? Mm -hmm. And in looking at it, I only found three other instances in which anyone who was later diagnosed with CTE had committed murder.
1: You know, Kath, I want to hear what you have to say, but I am sure because this is such an ever evolving field that there probably are more people than we know who who behaved poorly in the past. We just we just don't know. We're not know. connecting them.
2: Correct. No, I agree with that. But one of the ones that comes up, of course, first that everybody thinks about is in 2017 when Aaron Hernandez killed himself.
1: Oh, yeah. So did you ever see that Netflix series? By I the way, I did. That was amazing. I thought it was really well done.
2: Agreed. So Aaron Hernandez, for those of you who may not recognize the name, He was a player for the New England Patriots. He was 24 at the time, and he was arrested for the murder of a man named Odin Lloyd. He was convicted of murder, and he was sentenced to life in prison. And two years into his prison stay, he committed suicide. He hung himself in jail. His brain was sent to Boston University's CTE Center for study, and they found the worst case of CTE in any brain that they had studied. And what was his age? He was 27 years old. He was at stage three CTE. And and remember at the beginning, we talked about Philip Adams and said that he had two documented concussions. Same with Aaron Hernandez.
1: Which, of course, we know is nonsense. Right. He had been playing football since he was eight years old. Concussions are so common just in high school sports. Right. You know, I'm a mom of three boys. Two of them wrestled, but all three of them played lacrosse. Each of them has had concussions. But I'm virtually certain that if you go back to their, quote unquote, high school records, there's no documentation of it.
2: And at the end of the day, whether it's professional football, college football or even high school football, there is pressure to play injured. Yeah. But there are so many other players, Kathy, that have been affected by this. And it's been interesting to read through this. One of the ones that kind of stuck out to me was Junior Seau. And Junior Seau was a was a player for the University of Southern California and then went on to the Chargers. I loved Junior Seau. I thought he was fantastic. In 2012, he killed himself by shooting himself in the chest. Now, he didn't leave a suicide note, but his family had said he had begun exhibiting symptoms of CTE and was concerned that he had it. They think he shot himself in the chest because the year before, a friend of his named Dan Dewerson, he had killed himself the same way. But he left a note saying that he was shooting himself in the chest so that his brain could be sent to Boston University so that they could determine whether or not he had CTE.
1: Now that is a tortured soul.
2: And it sounds like most of these people are. So in addition to- Well, you
1: know what's interesting real quickly, Kathy, because you said that Philip Adams, we have no idea where he shot himself. Right. You know, that's not in any of the articles. It's
2: not. And and honestly, there there were a couple articles who kind of made a pointed remark of, yeah, nobody's ever told us where he shot himself. The other thing about Junior Sayow's death that was interesting, Kathy, is that he had no reported history of concussions. Wow. But remember, he was playing at SC in the early 90s. Oh, yeah. Nobody kept
1: track of anything then.
2: No, they didn't at all. But when Junior Seau's autopsy report was released later in August of 2012 by the San Diego County Medical Examiner, it indicated that his body, well, it contained no illegal drugs or alcohol, but he also had no apparent signs of brain damage. That's according to the the San Diego County Medical Examiner. But what happened was is that his family sent it not to the Boston University Center, because this is back in 2012. They sent it to the National Institutes of Health and had them do it. And they actually found that he did, in fact, have stage two CTE.
1: That is fascinating.
2: He was 45 years old. Really quickly, though, I I did just want to say the other two people who I was able to find who actually had committed murder. Mm -hmm. One was in 2012 when Jovan Belcher killed his girlfriend. Before killing himself, he was an NFL player. And the other instance was actually a former pro wrestler, Chris Benoit, who killed his wife and his son. This was in 2007. Oh. After all the research that we did for this episode, I don't think we'll ever definitively know what led Philip Adams to go to the Leslie's house that day and kill six innocent people. It's important to remember that they are the victims in this story. And their deaths had a monumental impact, not only on their loved ones, but on an entire community.
1: I completely agree.
2: If you liked us,
1: but only if you
2: liked us, (laughs) please leave a review, subscribe, follow, download. All of those will help us get the word out. And recommend us to a friend. Exactly. Thanks for listening.